Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm the resident stinky boy, Elliot. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the movies we watched this week before crowning the baddest dad and raddest dad of them all. And as always, dad is an energy, not a gender. So hockey's less fun when you're losing zero <laughs> to three Yeah. in the series. Also less fun when you don't really understand the rules and you're like, I don't know, was it an offside? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, nobody's touched the puck for a while. That is surely icing. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that my Google history is just like, what is offside explained? Have any teams ever come back from 3-0? <laughs> yeah. Four. Four have. It's been a, been a while. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, when you're not winning... I, I'm just like bored out of my mind with it and I'm just ready for it to be done now. Can't say that. I, I can't mean, say that. I mean, a comeback for the ages would be super fun and cool, but I don't know. I, well, I understand we'll now what people talk about when it's like, it's hard being an Oilers fan. <laughs> Are you an Oilers fan? Would you identify that way? Um, I mean, that's who I'm cheering for. <laughs> thus, fan. <laughs> <laughs> fan in the loose descriptor. Yeah. Yeah, it is less fun. Um, it would be great, I guess, if they won and had a comeback, like you said, but I'm also looking forward to having three days a week back. It's so much time. It takes up so much time. It is, and we like really want to watch that kind of stuff in our bonus room, but we like don't have a couch there because you can't get non-fabric couches basically from anywhere right now mm -hmm. um and we don't have the option to have fabric couches because our cat will wreck them yeah um and so the place we bought a really nice non-fabric couch and it won't be here for months and they brought us some loners but they kind of suck <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like two two like love seats two love seats I'm smashed like, against mm, each other i don't know that i'm really gonna hang out and watch hockey on those when we've got a nicer setup in the basement, if that was all we had, definitely. But yeah, yeah, it's been um, it's 
been a hard time to be an Oilers fan, for sure. It's been yeah. a hard time to be a bandwagon hopping Oilers fan. I'm sure if you're a real Oilers fan, even harder. Yeah. I mean, it was fun for a minute there. Yeah. yeah. That battle of Alberta. Yeah. I mean, it was wild. It was fun. But yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. It's, it's either, I hope it's either 180s and gets to become amazing or it's just done and we can get some time back in our lives. Watch some more movies. Go for some more walks. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, we managed to watch four movies. Kind of five. Yeah. Because we also did, and we also watched the whole first season of a show. Yeah. Which we'll talk about yeah, later. Yeah, we're going to talk about it at the end. Not not as a movie. We're not going to do that twice in a row. Yeah. But yeah, it was your mystery movie pick first. So why don't you <sighs> hit us with it? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even, I like almost don't even want to talk about this movie, but. We're going to talk about it because that's what we do. So I picked the movie The Sadness, which came out in 2021. Um, I'll give a little backstory before I get into like the the gist of it all, which is that um, since we've we've really been like motivated by this mystery movie pick thing, like even more in the last while, I've almost been trying to not even know a lot about the movies I pick. Mm-hmm. Um. And sometimes like a movie we're going to go see in the theater, I'm even trying to know less about it than I otherwise would. You know, there's been a couple of times where you and I have been like, okay, we watched the trailer once. We're not going to look at it again. And we used to watch trailers like over and over and over again. Although when you're going to Cineplex, you keep seeing the same trailers over and over again. So <laughs> that kind of sucks. I don't know if we talked about when we went to see The Northman. They played the Jurassic World Dominion trailer, the exact trailer twice in a row. Yeah, twice in a row. And I was like, wow, okay. And we had seen so many movies at Cineplex in like that span of two weeks so we saw that jurassic world dominion trailer like more times than i could ever want to see well and i love i loved that the fact that it played literally back to back and it was it was clearly an accident but i love how nobody really in the theater we all just kind of like looked around and we're like did that just (laughs) (laughs) i mean what what are you gonna do be like uh excuse me you made me watch this twice (laughs) i want my money back what the Maybe some of the people who walked out of the Northman got their money back by complaining about the, the double trailer. <laughs> this movie sucked, and you hit me with double Jurassic World trailers? What is this? I want my $13 back. <laughs> anyway, so the point of this being that, you know, sometimes I pick a movie and, and don't read too much into it. So this movie had kind of been circulating in my letterbox because I follow a handful of people who, like, they kind of exclusively watch horror films or predominantly watch horror films. And I follow them because I have very similar taste in films to them. And so this kept like popping up on my radar as like a new horror film that like people were talking about. The title's cool. The sadness, the cover's really cool. Yeah, this is maybe one of those instances where I should have learned a little bit more <laughs> before I picked it because I was not prepared for what this film was. Mm. So, it's directed and written by Rob Jabaz, who is Canadian, despite the film being made in Taiwan and starring folks from Taiwan. Um, so, okay. The white guy? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I watched some interviews. He seemed white to me, but I could be wrong. All right. Um, and it's starring uh, Baron Ju as Jim, Regina Lei as Kat, Ying Ru Chen as Molly and Su Chang Wang as businessman. 
The synopsis is a young couple trying to reunite amid a city ravaged by a plague that turns its victims into deranged, bloodthirsty sadists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I didn't, all I knew about it was that there's a motorcycle and that it was zombies. That's all I knew. <laughs> so you you knew even less because when the title came up, you said, I haven't even heard of this. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, it is a Shutter exclusive right now, but it, it it did come out in 2021, not 2022. What did you think of the sadness? Um, it was upsetting. <laughs> it That's some, putting it lightly. Yeah, it had some like pretty upsetting stuff in it. Um, so yeah, like it is, it it does. I mean, <laughs> it's zombies without being zombies, mm-hmm. essentially, and. While it does do like some pretty unique things, like interesting things within like the zombie genre, there was just like some really disturbing stuff and it kept escalating mm-hmm. and it kept, it kept, it started making me nervous that mm-hmm. it, we were going to start getting into like a Serbian film territory. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really go there. Came close. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of moments where I turned to you and said, like, should we shut this off? Yeah. And we didn't. But I will never watch it again. Yeah. Speaking of that, I know we've mentioned the movie, a Serbian film, a couple of times. And I made the mistake of going on IMDb and, like, looking at the parents' guide. Oh, I've read the Wikipedia summary several times. And I'm going to say right now, do not recommend. I do not recommend doing that. Yeah. I think this is, like, this is kind of... That movie is, it crosses the line of where our line is of movies that we watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like, I think I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it was kind of predominantly in France, this kind of wave of cinema called New Extremity Film. Mm. Um, And like Martyrs is considered a part of that high tension, which I did not like. Me neither. Um, a bunch of others that I can't think of right now. And and so then there's kind of this idea of like extremity films of which like a Serbian film, Sallow, like things like that would be considered a part of. Mm-hmm. And I now in retrospect know that this is considered an extremity film. And for the most part, extremity films go somewhere. I, they tend to cross the line. Although I do quite like Martyrs. Haven't yeah. seen it in a really long time, but. Um, I've been thinking about it. I'd like to rewatch it sometime. Yeah. And so, so that was an interesting thing as I was. Because there's kind of a split online, like after I watched this and was like, whoa, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So maybe sometimes with horror, particularly, I need to, to look a little bit more than like. Um, it's, let's finish your thought. Finish your thought. Oh, I've lost it now. Because you interrupted <laughs> Sorry. me. Sorry. I was just going to throw out that like, it makes sense too, because it's sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really high. But it only really has 3.3 on Letterboxd. Yeah, which. Yeah. yeah, but like horror, I kind of take with a grain of salt how audiences rate it. Because if you make your friends watch a horror film and they don't like horror films, they're probably going to rate it terribly. But even like, you know, on like the Reddit communities and like other places, there's there's a real split um, on like what people think of this film. And some really like it and some really don't. But I saw um, a comment on Reddit about this movie and I it really I really agreed with it. It really resonated with me. So the person's username is Alpha Centauri. Mm. I'm going to because I'm going to quote them here. I just wanted to give them credit. I don't I don't know them. Um, So they said martyrs, the extremity in martyrs, quote, serves the story and leads to a powerful ending. 
On the other hand, the extremity and violence and the sadness doesn't really seem to contribute to any bigger vision. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's shock value. And then they referred to the sadness as mean-spirited horror. Yeah. Really great description of it. That's that's what it felt like. Like it kind of felt I like at at the risk of jumping ahead into how this made me feel, like I felt like I was being bullied. Mm. Like that's by what by watching this movie and seeing the things that were happening, like I felt like it was just trying to shock me for the sake of shock value. And it was just bullying me into all of these scenarios that I would never want to be in. Like watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tricky thing for me because I kind of felt like as we were watching it, because I had heard that it was gory, but like you and I do like gory movies. And there's some good gore. Yeah. Here. And, so, and so that was the like complicated part of it for me was like, the first scene that has some significant gore in it, you and I were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, we're like excited about it. Yeah. And I think it's when it crossed the line into being sexual violence. Yeah. As soon as that happened, that's where I started getting nervous. And while it doesn't really show, like, the violence that's non sexual is like graphic, mm-hmm. really graphic. The sexual violence tends to be more implied and off screen, not always, but like predominantly, which I'm thankful for because I think I would have shut it off otherwise. Um, But that's where like for me, I'm just like, oh, why? Like, why do we need this? And I almost felt like the film wanted to say something about like societal gender dynamics and like that kind of thing but then it never really went there and so then it was just kind of pointless Mm. and like i actually kind of liked the ending like the last like two minutes Mm -hmm. but it didn't seem connected to anything bigger for me to care about that and it's very it's very covid inspired yeah (laughs) like there's like a scene at the beginning where you're like oh this feels like a full-on satire of like covid narrative yeah um and so you know our friend Lori, her review and she watches a lot of like extremity horror and i think has a higher threshold for that than we do um she didn't love this and she had written on her letterbox review that like you could read into this a critique of the like selfishness that we've seen in the last handful of years or the last couple years um and that this is like that taken to its extreme that like in a in a situation where like we should be coming together and supporting each other and like doing what we need to do for the collective this like extreme individualism and like using this as an excuse to be the worst version of yourself and then that's like ratcheted up to like a million um but then she even said in her review like is that intentional or am i reading that into it and mm-hmm. so i felt like this film Anything you might read into it, if it is done with intention, it's not done with enough intention for it to be, you know, the thing that elevates the film and and makes there be a reason for that extreme violence. Yeah. Unlike Martyrs, which I think has a point to it, and it's an interesting point, and it's a point that justifies the use of the extreme and has like just more interesting characters overall that are kind of driving the story i cared not for any of those characters (laughs) yeah same (laughs) i was just like i you know if there's gonna be that kind of extreme violence like and while it is like it's a well shot well made film like Mm -hmm. it's not like it's one of those like i'm pretending to be a snuff film filmed with like a super eight camera 
and it's grainy and is in a basement. It's creepy. Like, I'm not interested in watching those movies. Um, like, this is like a flashy, stylized, glossy film. Yeah. Right. And but at the same time, I kind of felt like I was watching one of those movies and I'm like not interested in watching those. So, yeah, I, I <laughs> just like do not recommend this movie. I do not. If you do like extreme gore and extreme violence, then like I still would recommend maybe like reading a little bit about this movie if you're going to give it a watch. Um, because I did find it mean spirited and it crossed a line that like I don't like to cross when I watch movies. And it made me kind of reflect on, on like, so, like, should I like any gore then? Mm. But I don't feel like the film wanted me to interrogate that. Like, that was just a me thing. It's not like a funny games mm. where it wants me to reflect on my own love of the horror genre and my, like, interest in seeing violence depicted on the screen, right? I don't think that the sadness cares to have me interrogate that. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it is. I didn't have that similar kind of self-reflection on gore and watching gory movies. I think that it just reaffirmed my stance and what my line is when it comes to gore and violence and the kind of violence that's being depicted in the movies that I watch and how when it kind of starts reaching a certain threshold... I'm either going to shut it off or I'm just going to, yeah, and I'm going to dip out because I don't want to see, I don't want to see certain things on screen. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need to see them to have an enjoyable movie experience. Well, I mean, is this movie supposed to be enjoyable? I mean, it is called The Sadness, so. <laughs> and, and that got me because like the title and the cover is like actually quite beautiful. Like the, the poster art, like, yeah, I just like don't. I, I expected something different. I expected there to be this, like, through this through line of violence, like, something that touched on the idea of sadness. And, like, I didn't feel sad when I watched this movie. Well, and no one in the movie felt sad. It just felt like this is awful. Yeah. Um, again, knowing nothing going into it, looking at the poster after watching it, like, I kind of, if I had seen that poster before, I would think that this movie is, like, a... Like a cure, yeah, well, exactly. Or something like that, and like even the the like image from the film, the still from the film that's on like the letterbox top of the page. I don't know what that's called. Um, the cover photo. Um, it's like the two. It's like him on his motorcycle with like like what essentially look like zombies running behind him. So I was thinking like Train to Busan, World War Z, Twenty Eight Days Later, like movies that I like. Right. And this is not that I, I I didn't realize going into it that this was going to be more in line with like, honestly, a human like human centipede, too. Yeah. Which is like a film I'm really sad I've seen. There you go. There's the sadness. <laughs> I'm sad that I watched it. I'm sad at myself. <laughs> I don't know that there's much more to say about it. Um, And, you know, for people that like this is their thing. That's fine. That is fine. Mm -hmm. But I am not recommending it. I'm very decidedly saying don't watch it and i'm gonna ask you how did it make you feel uh, i've already kind of touched on it like it, it i feel like it kind of bullied me into a place 
of watching things I don't want to watch. You feel like I bullied you into watching things you don't want to watch? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> no. I really did not. No. I think I apologized multiple times while we were watching it. I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be like this. I'm so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> so Do you want to shut it off? <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. <sighs> um, I was also just like nervous the whole time and just scared of the escalation that was clearly happening and that you felt throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was really, as it inched and inch closer and closer to that line of where my threshold is for these kind of movies. Yeah. It was just kind of, it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, the sense of like, if this is where they've taken it and we still have half the movie left, where is it going to go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I didn't really feel anxious or nervous. I felt sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. Like I felt really gross. Yeah. And I did not like that feeling. Do not recommend that feeling or, or this movie. What a bummer to start on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Take it somewhere more fun, please. Oh, we're going there. <laughs> I know we are. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so in the past two years, there have been two movies that I've that I've seen that had, have affected me on a level where it kind of just takes over my life. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it, yeah. And the, fr- the first one we've talked about and continue to talk about to death is Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> mm. The second is Bo Burnham's Inside. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know that we were millennials before, you know Woo! it now. <laughs> Baby, we here. Um, so yeah, this is kind of a bit of an amalgam because we we were totally taken by surprise this week when we saw that Bo Burnham dropped... Uh, so inside his special came out last year, almost exactly a year ago this week, and then he dropped outtakes from inside. Um, this week, so we were we were kind of shocked to see that, and then he just like rolled out the the soundtrack for it <laughs> on Friday as well. So it's just been Bo Burnham week. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, we watch we'll watch the outtakes and. I want to rewatch Inside. Yeah, so we're going to talk about them as one. Yeah, so we'll kind of, I'm, I'm kind of thinking we'll start with Inside. Yeah, we have things to say about Inside. And then we'll kind of talk a little bit briefly about the outtakes. So yeah, this masterpiece in our eyes mm-hmm. is directed, shot, written, edited, and stars Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. Um, a synopsis for it, a musical comedy special shot and performed by Bo Burnham alone in a room over the course of a very unusual year (laughs) (laughs) Mm. um yeah i wanted to pick this because i've been actually wanting to rewatch it for a while i was Mm -hmm. just kind of waiting for the right time to do it because i i wanted to do it before we moved but we were so busy and like just so stressed out about everything and then i wanted to watch it once we moved in but i wanted to do it when we were more settled Mm -hmm. so um i thought the timing was really great and we were just when this came out last year, like I said, it kind of became life consuming. Mm-hmm. Like we, um, yeah, I've talked about inside to a lot of people. We, what did we? Did we watch it like six or seven times, or that many even? I think it was for sure five, possibly more. But like they did a limited release in the theater after we had already watched it three or four times, mm-hmm. and we went and saw it in the theater because mm-hmm. we loved it that much, mm-hmm. and we were just blasting the soundtrack on repeat all last <laughs> summer. Mm-hmm. It's so great. So, yeah. And then when the when these outtakes dropped on YouTube out of nowhere, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is perfect. We're going to revisit it. But I was trying to be sneaky about it 
because I wanted to do a twofer. I wanted to watch inside and then follow it up with the outtakes. So when you were asking me, what's your, how long is your next pick going to be? So I said two and a half hours accounting for the runtime of inside and the outtakes. Mm -hmm. But then you're just like, hey, you want to watch the Bo Burnham outtakes tonight? <laughs> and it was after a hockey game, so it was already late. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I mean, I did want to watch them. So yeah. I'm like, okay. So sure, we watched those first. And then the next day we watched, yeah. rewatched Inside. Yeah. So tell me, what are your thoughts on Inside? Okay. I, it's like almost hard for me to talk about Inside because it impacted me so significantly which like I know I'm not the only person in the world and I know that people are going to roll their eyes at that too um I want to talk about the one we watched it for the first time yeah so um it kind of came on my radar I, I didn't really it's not like I was a big Bo Burnham fan like we are the same age as him mm -hmm. like we're born in 1990 as well um and so we've kind of grown up with him and been the same age as him through his stuff so like you know, as his humor has grown, so has ours. And, you know, I watched his YouTube videos back when I was his age as they were being put on the air. And I thought they were funny then. I have the same issues with them now that I think he has. Mm -hmm. um, hadn't really followed his, like, comedy career, but I really liked Eighth Grade. Um, I liked him in Promising Young Woman. And I, but I didn't really know that this was coming out. And, like... I don't know if we've really talked about this, but so how it came on my radar is Jeremy, who's been on our show, and um, obviously we have really aligned movie tastes with him. Mm -hmm. He spoke about it on one of his podcasts and was saying how great it was. And because I kind of had a sense that we had really aligned tastes with him, I was like, oh, well, I want to watch this then. And so I brought it to the table because of that. Oh. Um, I don't. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that it came out just because I went on Netflix and I knew it. I knew it was coming. Yeah, out. so I hadn't even known about it, and and I probably wouldn't have even been interested in watching it. But he had spoken about it on his show and like was really highly praising it. And I was like, oh, I well, like if he liked it and we have similar tastes, like I'd probably like it too. Um, and I so I brought it to the table to watch like this just this one night um, around the time it came out. And it was not like the day it came out or anything. And as we were watching it, it just like really impacted me beyond, beyond like the level of comedy. Like I, it was funny and I was mm -hmm. laughing, but it reached a point in the special where I just was like really feeling really big feelings. Mm -hmm. And then when it ended, I was like feeling a lot of those feelings still. And the credits aren't very long. They don't give you a lot of space to because he, the one person did it all. Yeah. Not a lot of space to process your feelings, which is usually we use the credits to do that. And I kind of asked you what you thought of it. And you had this kind of curt response of, um, I think you said, oh, wow, like it really depicts a man's descent into madness or something like that. And just kind of off the cuff. And I, it, it really, something happened in that moment where I just, I felt like almost ashamed that I had had this like experience with it and you hadn't. Because your response said to me that it was just like a funny one-off thing that you'd watched. And I just had had this like profound emotional experience with it. And I got really upset. Yeah. Like I was just like, like I wasn't upset at you per se, but I was just, I felt like I was wrong for having liked it. Or I felt, maybe that's not even, I maybe felt misunderstood. Like 
if this affected me this much and it didn't affect you, like, like what's up with that? Yeah. Um, and like, I guess I felt like I, how, how, if I can't, if it affects me that much and it doesn't affect you, how can I ever explain to you what this just meant to me? And I feel silly if like to you, this is just this funny thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's something more than that. And we ended up having, <laughs> I ended up having to talk to my therapist about this because <laughs> I was so, I was just like so shaken by, I was so shaken by like how upset I got mm-hmm. at the fact that you didn't have the same experience that I had had with this film. And I think it's because there was such like an emotional connection that I had with it. And I was just feeling like you didn't understand my emotions, maybe. Mm. I don't know. I just, I felt like misunderstood and I felt silly and I felt a little ashamed that I liked it so much or like connected with it so much. Um, And one of the conversations that ended up coming out of this is like, you know, our sensitivity to the bubble that's been created while we're watching something that like, we've long kind of had this thought process that as we're watching anything, unless it's like a hockey game or like master chef junior or something mm-hmm. that we're kind of, we've kind of giving each other the space to watch it on our own, even when we're sharing the space. Um, and that there's almost this bubble that we're creating between us and the thing that we're watching. And there's a, a point at which when it's over that we have to leave that bubble. Yeah. Right. And I, I think it was the language that um, came up in therapy was that like you had popped my bubble before I was ready for it to be popped. And I wasn't yet like my my feelings about it were still really like raw and I was kind of still exper- like, feeling them at that moment. And I wasn't like ready to hear your thoughts if they differed from mine. Um, and I think we'd we'd always kind of had a sensitivity to that. Um, and usually we're really good about it. And I think now we're even a little bit more sensitive to that. Like it might be a little bit more like, are you ready to talk about it? Or what, what did you think of it? Or like, and kind of like reading the other person a little bit more, which I think has been a good thing. And it just made me reflect on like the vulnerability that actually exists when you watch a film with somebody else. Like there's a vulnerability in feeling differently about a film than another person does, especially if like you really felt an emotional resonance with it and the other person didn't. It's mm. kind of a scarily vulnerable thing. Like, yeah. can you imagine if I hadn't felt the same way about everything ever at once as you did? Yeah. How do you think that would have felt? Crushing. Yeah, that That's how I felt when you at first were just like, oh, that was a funny thing. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, but that was so much more to me. And like, like, so, so what? Like, I can't even, it's even hard to articulate like what the feelings that went through me. It, it was like, you know, that feeling when you're really embarrassed and like it just everything flushes, like you just have this like hot flush of like shame and embarrassment. That's how I felt. Mm. Yeah. And I think I told you I like needed space. I'm like, I need to, I just need some time to myself. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. So I'll tell my side of, of that whole experience too. So sure. Yeah. Like, watching watching inside for the first time i mean it was a pretty emotional experience for me too i think to a different degree to yours because i think i was i was both in awe of the things that he was tackling throughout the special but also i was also just taken with this as a as a creative endeavor Mm -hmm. and just blown away by him doing this by himself over the course of a year in a room and i think when you asked me what I thought about it, I feel like I I probably wasn't ready to talk about it yet. Mm-hmm. But I just like 
wanted to say something. Something. Mm-hmm. So I kind of delivered that in a bit of the form of a, a joke mm-hmm. or just kind of like a throwaway kind of mm-hmm. comment that didn't encapsulate my true feelings about how mm-hmm. I felt about it. And then, yeah, like I could clearly tell that you were upset. And then, yeah, you had to spend, like we kind of had to separate so that, you know, you could go feel your feelings. And that that's just, it was so, to use the word again, it was crushing for me because knowing now we both had such an amazing experience with inside Mm -hmm. and then for it to be buttoned with this flurry of emotions that were so the opposite of what we just experienced sucked Mm -hmm. it really really sucked but after that first experience where we were able to kind of unpack that and talk about it and then be like no like we love this Let's watch it four more times. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, no, I think that you're right. Now, when we do watch movies together, we're a lot more conscious of that popping of the movie experience bubble and not wanting to do that for each other or anybody else. Like, I think mm-hmm. we've kind of, we've kind of, um, uh, kind of tap danced around it in other things we've talked about, such as when we will go see movies with certain people who the credits start rolling or the lights come up and they're immediately like throwing on their jackets and mm-hmm. like getting all their like snacks and all their shit together. Like that is that pops my bubble. And that yeah, pops your a, bubble in a different way, but it yeah. certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's really interesting. I had um coffee this morning with um a friend I haven't seen in a, a long time and she listens to the show. And she had said something that like just blows her mind about you and me is that we can go to a theater together and like ball our eyes out at something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she told me she can't do that. That she can if she's by herself or if she she watches the movie um, like at home by herself, but not with other people. Right. And I have some other friends who have said that too. Like if they think they're going to cry in a theater, they'll like we have a, a mutual friend who will if they think they might cry, they will go in like spoil the movie beforehand so that they aren't because they don't want to cry in the theater. Right. Um, and all of that is totally valid. But I think what like that when my friend said like, so, like, how do you do that? And I was like, well, I think part of it is that we we're giving each other the space to just experience the movie on our own. And like often I don't necessarily even know if you did cry until the movie's over. Yeah. Or, like, we, <laughs> or, or we look at each other. <laughs> so tears but in like in after Yang, I remember asking you like, did you cry as much as I did? Because I'm not looking at you to see if you're crying. I'm just experiencing the movie on my own and trusting that you're going to let me experience the movie on my own. And mm-hmm. and that if it did have a different meaning to me than it did to you, you know, trusting that like we'll be able to like see each other's interesting points of view and appreciate that afterwards, even if even if we had different experiences. And, yeah. you know, this is going to come up with another movie we watched this week, but I'm like, oh yeah, like you and I will, ugly cry beside each other in a theater and not even know until the movie is done that we both had ugly cried. oh yeah like even like the for, for example like the first time we saw everything everywhere all at once i was on the end of our friend group that, mm-hmm. that was together i was sitting next to a stranger mm-hmm. i had no because i'm just this is this becomes a singular experience mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. I don't care if there's a stranger sitting next to me. Like I still bawled my eyes out and I'm wiping tears away mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm living the best version of this experience for myself mm-hmm. and hoping that nobody else is there to burst, my, like to pop my movie experience bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like 
I've gone to a lot of movies. It, it's more, I feel like it's more prevalent in comedies where you could go with somebody and if you start laughing or if a funny part happens, they look at you to see if you're <laughs> reacting to mm-hmm. it. Drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but like, even when we go rewatch something, like when we go with uh, your family to go see Spider-Man for the fourth time, like we know everything that's going to happen, but we're excited to experience it with new people who haven't seen it mm-hmm. before. But we're very conscious of not kind of popping their bubbles mm-hmm. even if that's not a thing that they're aware of or have language for like this is something we've kind of <laughs> coined between us because it's just something we both feel but we're very conscious of not doing that for other people and i get, and i'm just thinking about this now like i wonder if that's a maybe another element even though we've always done it of staying to the end of the credits because if we're up and trying to leave and scoop past people and like doing the whole excuse me excuse me excuse me like we're running the risk of popping somebody's bubble who's maybe would stay to the end of the credits and needs that time to kind of I mean, I, I definitely don't think we're consciously doing that, but like we are doing it. Right. Yeah. Like um, I said, it's just, I just thought that thought of that now and like, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So like just the, the experience we had watching this for the first time kind of caused us to give language to things we had long done and thought about, but not necessarily like communicated about or reached like agreements about, which is nice because now I think if that, for the most part, I think if that were to happen again, I could just say to you like, Hey, you're popping my bubble before I'm ready. And then that, like we have the language for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could be like, Oh, like you could know the gravity of that or vice versa. Yeah. And and then give the space that's needed. But we didn't have the language for that at the time, despite this being a thing that we had been doing for like 11 years. Yeah. Um, and so having that language is really helpful. And so I'm thankful to like this movie for or this special or whatever we want to call it for giving us that language, even though it was kind of an upsetting experience. <laughs> and I mean, it you know, inside, it's not good feelings in inside. And especially yeah. when you, when we watched it, you know, in 2021, it wasn't good feelings. It was heavy feelings. Well, we were still in the middle of another wave of the pandemic. Yeah, wondering if like there's ever, you know, this is ever going to end. And I, you know, I still feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there's people in my life I think feel that even heavier than I do. And like this, you know, that's reflected in this special. And, you know, feelings about, like, the world in general and the future in general. And, like, I mean, I'm the target audience for this. I was turning 30 that summer. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I had just skirted the pandemic. Uh, my birthday was right before. Yeah, I turned 30. I guess, like, I, I had turned, I was 30 by the time the special came out. But the, I was, I turned 30 in the pandemic. And I, I remember that being a really, like, upsetting thing where I'm, like, I'm not necessarily excited to turn 30, even though I know it's a privilege to age. Yeah. Um, But I had been, you know, planning to like do something big for my 30th birthday, even though I usually try and keep my birthday low key. And then I didn't, couldn't. And Well, um, and like, I think to what you're saying too, um, because it, it feels like this movie is trying to be a bit of a time capsule of like capturing this year of time where it was the beginning of the pandemic, where he started making things and then it gets to, it catches up to where things are at. And I think that that's probably the true underlying um, thing I was trying to say with my comment that 
popped the bubble mm-hmm. of like it's this this guy that's kind of descending into madness like it's it's this reflection of something that both you and I were already mm-hmm. feeling like it's okay we're going to get through this to like is this ever going to end you know and speaking to that this idea that it's like this time capsule i have to say it was actually so like we watched it so many times watched sections of it again listened to the soundtrack so much but really just like kind of from the time it came out which i guess would have been may right may yep 2021 um through to the end of the summer of 2021 and then honestly haven't revisited it a ton since then no and so it was kind of strange watching it again after nearly a year of not watching it because it feels like and like it captures and reflects my emotions from a particular moment in time that I'm not in anymore. Yeah. And it was, like you said, it kind of consumed our lives. And I was like, yeah, I'm the millennial who's obsessed with Inside by Bo Burnham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so unique. Um, but it's it didn't, it, it felt more nostalgic almost watching it than resonant. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Whereas, like, when I rewatch some other things that I've, like, I don't feel like that's going to happen with everything everywhere all at once. I don't feel like it's only going to feel a particular emotional resonance in this year. I feel like when mm-hmm. I rewatch it in a year, I'll feel the same emotional resonance. And I didn't feel the same emotional resonance rewatching it inside, did you? No, you're right. Like, it, it's, I don't know if this is the right word, but it's this kind of like nostalgia for, that very specific time of when it came out and when we listened to it so much. And I could, like, I knew all the feelings that I was feeling back then, but I'm just that it's not the state of the world is different now. Mm-hmm. My not state necessarily of, better, but no, different. Different. Yeah. My, my state of mind is also different. And yeah, I think that just like, it's just captured this moment in time mm-hmm. that, I'll always remember whenever I watch mm-hmm. or listen to it. But it doesn't, it's not making me feel the same feelings it made me feel. No. Um, and all, and, and it's been interesting too, because like I have listened to the soundtrack a lot and like I don't necessarily feel heavy feelings when I listen to the music. Like that's just like, like some of those songs are just jams. Like they're just yeah. good songs. And then some of them are just really funny. Um, so I think a good kind of antidote to that, like, oh, I don't feel the same emotional connection to this is inside the outtakes yeah like it it's the salve we needed i i think um and i mean i can't speak about this like it would be remiss to not talk about how i have a gigantic crush on bo burnham (laughs) yeah and not only what not only did inside consume me last year but i'm pretty sure there just were a lot of pictures of bo burnham on my phone (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like i would just oh this is so embarrassing i can't believe i'm gonna say this i would just like watch the scene the like really cute scenes from promising young because he's a love interest in promising young woman Mm -hmm. um i just like rewatch the really cute scenes from that and just like wish he was my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, i mean you know this this isn't a surprise to you but (laughs) oh yeah like whenever we bring up the youtube app on our tv and we go to your account it's just all the recommended all the recommended videos are just bo burnham interviews and bo burnham oh i watched super cuts so many bo burnham interviews and a lot of them were about eighth grade because he really didn't do any press i think he didn't do any interviews or press for inside so i was um 
I went into the back catalog and then and then we re- and then not rewatched. We watched some of his other specials for the first time. They're like, eh. yeah, he's definitely grown out of some of the s- stuff and humor he had in those. But I feel like his eighth grade promising young woman into now phase, like I'm I'm really into that. I'm really into who he is. Mm-hmm. And um I watched a lot of interviews and 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 then he kind of disappeared. You know, we talked about this when we talked about drive, that like I go I go through these crush phases. <laughs> and um, you know, when when a crush is on my radar, it's really that person's really on my radar. And and Bo Burnham eventually left my radar, and you know other people replaced him, and and now he's back. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, with a vengeance. He is. He's so. Um, Inside the outtakes has cued the return, the return of of my Bo Burnham crush. Um, but it was really cool. It was like more than not. My crush is really cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> it's pretty cool uh but inside the outtakes is pretty cool because first of all it's not it's not what the name suggests it is like it, it's it's a curated created edited piece of art it's mm-hmm. not just like a blooper reel mm-hmm. um that feels like an extension of the original project rather than outtakes in the proper sense or even a special feature yeah what i'll say is like I think that inside the special is brilliant. It's super inspiring from a creative standpoint. Um, and I think it, like some of the things he said, like he, he does in the special are so poignant, especially like things like the, the fake ads that he sprinkles throughout mm-hmm. like that, that hits so perfectly for me as a person in advertising of just the kind of like the bullshit you're trying to hawk for <laughs> different brands sometimes um yeah his satire game is on point in this but like the special is so it's curated so well and then the outtakes show you just it just kind of furthers improves how well it is curated and that the fact that there are still bangers coming out of the outtakes is just a testament to how he just kind of captured lightning in a bottle with this special and what he was trying to do around everything like yeah, that new song five years i've just been listening to it on repeat it's so good yeah the day after we watched it um at work our friend ashley is is also my coworker, and we'd had a meeting that we had to do after work together and then i was like can i show you a video <laughs> <laughs> and she was like yeah you can uh and this was the video i said you, you watch the whole special on your own but can i just show you this one part of it um and we had a, a lot of fun and then we talked for two hours and you texted me and we're like, where are you? <laughs> and I was like, are you oops, dead? oops, <laughs> it is now almost seven o'clock and I'm still at work. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's great. And yeah, I mean, I love seeing all the behind the scenes stuff. Like you see, you get a little bit of it in the main special, but in the outtakes, like just seeing him set up stuff and test out lights and test out um, compositions and stuff like that i don't know i love seeing how the sausage is made on this kind of stuff so i just want more more, more bo burnham <laughs> more bo burnham and i will take it where i can get it yeah um so the kind of combo of inside and inside the outtakes how to make you feel i think i'm just in awe of like his brilliance mm-hmm. i mean if i was going to talk about how i felt like back when we watched it the first time it would be a different thing but we're talking about now we're yep. talking about watching inside 
as something that we have seen multiple times and the soundtrack multiple times and rewatching it a year later and watching inside the outtakes and I'm just like in awe of him. Yep. That's yeah. Yeah. Everything about him, I'm just in awe. I just really, really like him. And if he's looking to you know, <laughs> have another girlfriend, <laughs> I'm I'm the one to call. Hello. <laughs> um yeah for me same thing yeah just in awe of his creativity and what he's made here and you know depending on the song and the day uh they can make me feel different things too Mm -hmm. um and i'm just delighted to watch this anytime it's one of my favorite things ever i i love i love bo burnham's inside so much so are you adding inside the outtakes into that yeah i'm i think it's kind of i think it's kind of melded into one and he he put out a deluxe album of it all. <laughs> so it is just like this kind of singular experience now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm it. ready for whatever he brings out in May of next year. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I'm just like anything. I'd love to see him acting in a movie. I'd love to see another special from him. I, I mean, he was see. in that basketball thing. We didn't watch it. Oh, was he? Yeah. No. Played Larry Bird. Does that sound right? Uh, that is a basketball player. Is he white? Yeah. That I'm pretty sure. Is he tall? Yep. Then I think that he played him. Nice. And like <laughs> in some kind of HBO special. Wonderful. That we didn't watch. <laughs> so we're sorry, Bo Burnham. We didn't watch everything you did. You would look up some clips maybe or something. Yeah. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. you just show me the clips after. Okay. okay. Um I'm really excited to talk about this next movie. Ooh, me too. So Oh, I'm like feeling emotional already. <laughs> so we'd been really excited to see this movie because we like the director. And we were going to go see it at the Landmark Theater because it didn't come to any other theater. And then right before we were going to go see it, uh, Metro Cinema, our absolute favorite movie theater, announced that it'd be they would be showing it in a couple of weeks. And we were like, okay, hold the phone. We will wait. We'll wait a couple of weeks and we'll see it when it's at Metro. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We went and saw Petite Mama which came out in 2021, um, but hasn't really had a wide release everywhere, I don't think. So it's directed and written by Celine Siama, who also did Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And it is starring, I'm just going to list three people, although there are more people I could list, but I just think that gets into some spoiler territory. So I'm going to list the main character. The protagonist, Nellie, is played by Josephine Sanz, um, La Mer. Try my French is played by Nina Mirise. Uh, La Pair is played by Stefan Verpenne. And the synopsis is Nellie has just lost her grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house and the surrounding woods, and one day she meets a girl her same age. Lovely. Yeah. This movie's really special. Yep. What did you think of it? Yeah, like you said. I very badly wanted to see this. Loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, yeah. We got that poster. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so good. Um, Yeah, this is one of the best movies we've seen lately. Like, it's kind of... No. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It, it has, like, a, I mean... N- n- the way that it just kind of has, like, these takeaway feels for you... I kind of liken it to an experience like After Yang, mm-hmm. Drive My Car, Last Black Man in San Francisco. And come on, come on. Come on, come on. Like this kind of movie is just our jam. 
Yeah, and it is not everybody's. And there's a particular aspect of this movie that I've seen people have a beef with that like so that I I would equate to like a life of pi, the book, not the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That some people they just like will not get on board with it and that actually is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Um and so yeah. I mean, take with a grain of salt that this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen in my entire life, but could be yours too. And by yours, I mean the person listening, not yours, Elliot, because <laughs> I know it's yours. Yeah, uh, I, I love this. I, I actually, I like that you um, brought up Life of Pi because that was actually something that I was kind of feeling about this too a little bit. And I actually kind of felt it about a movie we watched later in the week too. All right. Um, the, the last one we watched? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm excited to hear you talk about how that's connected. But... Um, yeah, I just think um, Celine Skiyama Siyama. Siyama. I think that she's just a uh, a beautiful storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, the way that her and her filmmaking team on this particular movie just captured everything from the compositions, the cinematography, the performances that she got out of all of the actors in Phenomenal. here. Phenomenal. So lovely, so amazing. And uh, the cast is so good. Um. Yeah, this uh this is uh this is really special. I didn't know really anything about this. I'd seen the poster and I knew that Celine Siama made it. The that same, was it. Same. Um, yeah. And I knew it was short, so very short runtime, 72 minutes. Yeah. It's a quick movie. That's all I knew. Um And it and it is the perfect length. Oh yeah. Like I love a movie that doesn't need to be long perfect yeah so i didn't know much about this um and unlike with the sadness i'm really glad i didn't and so if you're interested in watching this movie i would say go in knowing very little or nothing about it um i think it's just horror movies i'm gonna try and look a little bit more into before i watch them (laughs) but this was it was it was really great i think that i didn't quite know what this was about i agree with you the performances especially from um the child actors are just some of the best acting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. And this is really unique to us, but the uh the main the main character of Nelly kind of looks a lot like our niece. Yeah. Um, who's 10, but who we're pretty close with and like have been really close with her from the time she was born. And like that added another resonance to it. Like there's, there was, I said it after we watched the movie. I'm like, did, did this remind you of her? And you were like, yes. I'm like, okay, it wasn't just me. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in the way she acted, but the way she looked, which just like added another layer of emotion to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we were talking about this later, you even said like, if we, if we were ever to have kids, and we knew that it would be like this little girl, then we'd probably have kids. Well. I phrased it in a different way because we're not having kids. Yeah. We don't want, I don't want to have kids. Have you changed your mind? <laughs> no. Okay. I don't. <laughs> um, so we're not having children. That's a choice we've made. Um, I sometimes feel like I have hundreds of children because I'm a high school teacher and our sister's children, my my sisters and your sister-in-law's children, are they're really important to us. So there's children in our lives, but but we don't plan to, we will not be having children. Um, but I said, if I could be guaranteed this child, I would have a kid with you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, which maybe is a little hyperbolic and probably not true because I don't, I don't want to have kids. I, but um, it did make me like children. <laughs> <laughs> it has a, 
This movie has an opening scene in it in a car. That is probably one of the oh. purest, oh my sweetest, tugging my heartstrings, clutching my chest moments I've ever seen. Oh, in from movie. the time that that scene happened, I'm like, I'm in for it. You're like, oh. <laughs> I'm done for. And there was a point that I turned to you and I said, oh, I realize what this movie is about. And I said, I'm going to start crying already. Yeah. The, like, it's funny because I feel like the twist was kind of right there in front of us the whole time. Yeah. But I still took, it still took a while for it to like sink in of like what they were going to do. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a twist, but just an awareness of what the movie was really about. Yeah. Because like, I haven't watched a trailer. Maybe, maybe a lot of people do know what it's about going into it. Um, but I was just like, oh, okay. Um, and there's like in After Yang, there was a moment for me. And I don't know if it was the same moment that it was for you, where it was just based on the line readings. It was just a beautifully written line of dialogue and the way that it was performed in conjunction with all of the beautiful camera work and the use of like this film um, uses almost no non-diegetic sound. And just like all of that kind of combined, I just started like weeping and I pretty much didn't stop. <laughs> like, I'm going to say half the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just kind of have this, like, light stream of tears going on. And then another, like, line would just hit me and it would turn into an ugly cry. And I just kind of vacillated between light light showers and, and thunderstorms with my tears, <laughs> depending <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the lines. Um, now, it was a really heavy day that day um, for both of us. Yeah. Um, we kind of started very early in the morning with some like heavy stuff going on and and both had been feeling really emotionally heavy throughout the day. And I think this is like the balm I needed to like <laughs> allow me to, like I think this movie would have hit me emotionally no matter what, but I think particularly because of like the day that we'd had, um, getting to be able to like let my emotions out through through this film was something I really needed. Yeah. I was uh, feeling kind of the same way uh, after having a, a nice old cry with this one of just like, I, I kind of needed, I, I needed that to just kind of let that out mm-hmm. and to have it be a beautiful film that was able to bring that out is so, so nice and so needed. There's a, um, a little sound bite from it's from Wikipedia because like well I'm such a good researcher, um, so so Wikipedia cultivated or curated this and then I took it. So from the a film critic named Mark Kermode, which I was just like this is perfect. So they said whether you are six or sixty, this astonishingly insightful and heartbreakingly hopeful cinematic poem will per will perfect your heart, broaden your mind, and gladden your soul even as you wipe away tears. Yep. Perfect. It's so this is such a special movie. Like I already know that it is gonna be one of my favorite movies ever, and that like I will want to revisit it again and again and again, and that I need to own it. Yeah. I had a I wanted to ask you, because I was kind of thinking about this after the fact, just because and I, I don't want to get into like spoilers or anything like that, but because our kind of like our main hero is this little girl mm-hmm. and then it's um and then, like, her mom is kind of, like, the secondary character that she's looking up to. Do you think that, like, do you think that this movie hits differently for women or people that have, like, 
female uh really like kind of people that they look up to in their life i mean because like it hit me hard but i wonder i was just curious if it like would hit those people i mean do you think that it hit me harder than it hit you i don't know because i was weeping yeah and i I, like i i was too but but it stuck with me it's i mean we watched it two nights ago and i'm still it's still resonating with me and in my mind and I mean, I don't know. I, I think that this movie is like fundamentally about the disconnect between parents and children that will never be golfed. Mm-hmm. But like, so it was somebody on Letterboxd, um, they connected this film to a line from Mike Mills' 20th Century Women, where uh, Annette Benning's character says to Greta Gerwig's character about, about her son, about Annette Benning's son, she says, you will get, you get to see him being a human out in the world and I never will. Mm-hmm. And this film seems to be about that, but but in the opposite way, that like children will never really know their parents. Yeah. No matter how much we might want to, we will never really know them as humans. Yeah. Because of their duty to be our parents. Um, and because of that, you know, power differential and that particular relationship dynamic. So I think that any person who has parents would potentially feel a deep resonance with them regardless of the gender of the parent or the child. And I think like just their this film enables a reflective, deep empathy and big those big, big feelings if you have particular if you have like a complex relationship with either parent, but probably especially if it's with your mom. Um, or if you've had a parent who's passed. Like I think that because I have both of those things um perhaps it was particularly resonant for me but i think it was resonant for you too yeah it was so i mean i mean i guess it's a question to ask about everything everywhere all at once too did the you've i think you've said multiple times that it's the evelyn wayman stuff that gets you more than the joy evelyn stuff and the joy evelyn stuff gets me yeah and so is that because of daughter mom stuff or is it because of my particular relationship with my parents versus your particular relationship with your parents? And it's not really a gender thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, I was curious because yeah, this movie did hit me on, on a really deep level and I did see parts of my life reflected in it. And like, as you said, yeah, as somebody that's just as parents and parents that make that, that choice to, you know, only lets you in so far but i think that that's i think that that's just inevitable yeah i think that our i think that parents can never really know their children and children can never really know their parents i think that there's children and parents who know each other as best as possible but i think there's always going to be this fundamental fundamentally slight disconnect yeah and it's like that's such an interesting thing that people that give birth to you raised you looked after you and there's there's always going to be like you said like kind of like that gulf between parent and child in terms of seeing each other's humanity i think you know seeing each other as fully realized human beings i i don't know this movie was just i we've said it like 10 times but it's just really special i've just i've never seen this thing that i think exist for all of us but maybe we don't recognize so perfectly encapsulated in a very generous way yeah yeah 
I guess I'm supposed to ask. Yeah. How did this movie make you feel? It uh, it crushed me in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I <laughs> I don't think I don't think we were the only ones. Um, the credits on this one were pretty short too. And as we were walking out, there was like another <laughs> there was like another couple that were sitting. And they weren't even making a move to get up yet. Like <laughs> everybody else had left the theater and we were, and then we were leaving and they, yeah, I think that they were feeling a lot of feelings yeah. with this one and they needed a little bit more time to yeah. come out of that, come out of that bubble. Yeah. yeah. How about you? So this made me feel like really deep, beautiful, resident feelings about the experience of being a child who has parents. Mm-hmm. I'm still a child. I still have parents, even if one of them's passed. And, it made me feel that, like like you said, like beautiful but crushing. Like it's just this really sad beauty, this like sad awareness of a reality that like we just don't often name and, and giving voice and story to these feelings that we don't often acknowledge but I think are important to acknowledge. And then it also just let, left me with a deep empathy for like my own parents but especially my mother, like just mm. this – and this feeling of like, or I wish that I could know her a little bit more. And I don't know that I ever will. Yeah. And that's really sad. Yeah. I I think I was feeling the kind of similar thing in, in the sense that um, before everything kind of hit the fan with my dad, that's what I was attempting to do was to kind of, you know, break down that wall a little bit and get to know him as a person but he didn't want to do that and maybe couldn't do it yeah and like that was a difficult thing and this movie made me think of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. too and yeah it's so good highly recommend don't watch the sadness watch petite mama (laughs) like like full stop like actively not recommending the sadness and then like urging you if you can to go see petite mama (laughs) like right now and then message us about us and and tell us what you thought yes because not enough people have seen it and it's so good it's so special yeah i'm sad it didn't get a wide release um i wish that it did but if you can seek this out at all and have the means to go see it please do all right the last one yeah let's hit it um, so I've been talking a lot because I picked the first movie and last movie and then I'm like slightly better at French than you. So I <laughs> talked about the last one. Bless you. Um, but this was, uh, my mystery movie pick, um, last night I picked the 2021 documentary Flea. Um, so it was directed by Jonas Power Erasmussen, written by him in conjunction with the subject of the documentary Amin Nawabi. The synopsis for this is Flea tells the extraordinary true story of a man, Amin, on the verge of marriage, which compels him to reveal his hidden past for the first time. Um, And the cast is predominantly like the voices of the people who are involved. And there's some voice acting for like Amin, like people in Amin's life who like are not like when they're younger or when they're not currently there. But I I don't really feel the need to go through the voice cast. Mm -hmm. So I know that you had heard of this one and we like thought about going to see it when Metro played it last year. Um, mm. What did you think of it? It delivers a, her- a harrowing story in such a gentle, calm and heart wrenching way. Mm-hmm. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the way that this story is told and it's like, it is all at once a very 
just kind of like unbelievable story, but a story that I feel like exists for so many people. So yeah, hearing it delivered the way that it is. Yeah, to use that word again, like it's just, it's very gentle. It's very calm, but it's very, it just feels, it's, it's very real because it's, it's, it is a true story. Yeah. And I, something that I really appreciated about it is like you use the word harrowing and it, and it is, but I also feel like the story doesn't linger in the harrowingness. That's a bad word. It doesn't linger in like the trauma. Yes. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like exploitative come here for a sad story that makes you feel so grateful about your own life. Like it, it feels more human than that. Yes. Um, and at sometimes there's a matter of factness to some of the, the more upsetting details of a men's story that I appreciated because it didn't feel like trauma porn. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then to me just, it felt deeply human. Like here's a human wanting to tell their story to other humans. Yeah. And I think what they nailed with this too, cause like it's all, it's, it's an animated for the most part, an animated movie and the anim- animated documentary. Yeah. And like the animation is, is beautiful but it's not distracting mm-hmm. or, and it doesn't get like hammy or over the top at all. Like it's, it's very, it, it's, um, it accents the story really well and tells it in a way that adds to kind of like, it just, it kind of, it kind of takes the delivery of the story and continues the beauty of which the story is being told. Yeah. And I mean, it uses like kind of two distinct, two to three i'm not the most visual or artistic person but um what i i see is like three different artistic styles Mm -hmm. um to delineate between different parts of the story um i have to say i liked it a lot more than like using animation which seemed to be used at a necessity to keep the identities of the people involved safe yeah um but where in other documentaries they might do like reenactments. Yeah. Which like almost never work. Yeah. They almost always kind of suck. They almost always are distracting or hammy or like cheap looking. Using these different art styles to like lean into the abstraction or the emotional aspect of it where otherwise it would have been done as a reenactment was a really strong way to take the necessity of having to keep someone's identity safe and turn it into a um, really unique aspect of the film. Yes. Really like beautifully done artistic stuff. Yeah. It was very, it was a very smart decision and it's, yeah, like the way that it just comes together and coalesces with the story that's being told and the way that it's being delivered. It just, it's just like this really nice way and like peek into this person's life where they've experienced a lot of, a lot of stuff. And like, that was something that this movie kind of made me, you know, made me confront a little bit. It was just like the privilege that I have and that stories like this, they feel so far away from me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that, you know, the main worry on my mind right now is we need to get a carpet in here so that it doesn't <laughs> echo as much. But 
there are very real things and very horrible and horrific things happening to so many different people where they the the only way they'll they'll survive is having to pack a small suitcase and like leave the home that is their home mm-hmm. and go to somewhere unknown or go to somewhere potentially even less safe to escape something that's more dangerous or whatever it is mm-hmm. um yeah it's just like it, it kind of confronted me with that and i was just like yeah it uh it was it was it was very like heavy feeling well and in a similar way to similar but different way to petite mama an aspect of this is like um what we don't know about the acquaintances in our lives or even some like what we don't know about the people who we didn't necessarily who aren't family or who are chosen family or like family that we've built along the way so petite mama is so much about how like based on family dynamics you don't always know the full depth of a person yeah and this is about how you know people who who aren't people that we grew up as family with how we can not realize we don't know their whole stories right and i think it makes me think about how you know, especially as a teacher, how I only know the smallest slice of all of my students' lives. And they, you know, like some of them might have stories like this, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I don't know that. And, you know, that just the one of the parts of this film that I think impacted me the most is that from my understanding, um, Jonas Power Rasmussen and Amin are longtime friends like met in high school i I think Mm -hmm. and that he didn't know this story this is a story that Amin had been keeping and then his partner didn't know and like how much so this makes me think about like the stories we don't know about the people in our lives Mm -hmm. and the way that and the way that those stories when they're kept secret create such an emotional conflict within people that's so much a part i actually thought the most powerful part of this film was like the exploration of like the weight that Amin has felt at keeping this a secret. Yeah. On the other end of that, the, the importance of when somebody comes to you and says like, I'm, I'm ready to tell a story Mm -hmm. or I'm ready to let you in on this part of my life, how your choice of words and your response to that and how you choose to go about responding to them is so important and detrimental to whether or not they even end up telling you that story or confiding in you at all and that's looked at in a couple different ways right Mm -hmm. so one of the things about this film that so like with the sadness and like with petite mama i actually knew very little about this other than i don't even think i knew it was a documentary i just like knew that people liked it Mm -hmm. um and unlike the sadness it worked out in my favor to not know much about it but um this is actually a queer story as well and and I don't think that that's a secret if you if you look up the anything about the movie. Um, and in fact, if I had known that, I probably would have seen it sooner. Um, but I love that like um, Amin's queerness is not this like big sad thing we need to talk about. It's just like an essential part of who he is and an essential part of his story. And it has differing weight at different moments and differing beauty at differing moments but it doesn't feel like it's used in a way to just like make, make us feel so so sad for a man that he's you know a queer person like does it it never is handled in that way and i think that that's wonderful um that it's like a queer story and that's just one part of it mm-hmm. but it's not the totality of this film 
Yeah. And neither is like him being a refugee, the totality of this film, I don't think. Yeah. It's a deeply human film with yeah. like a multifaceted complex person at the center of it that isn't reduced to a single part of his story. Yeah. I, I felt. I, yeah. And I think that you get uh, one of my favorite parts of this too is because it is a documentary. They have like these nice little cutaways of when you could tell that you know, and men didn't know that they were filming him and his partner. And yeah, these candid moments. Like these very like fly on the wall kind of moments that are just like really like sweet and really nice. And just even like they've animated these scenes of them setting up a shot with a man mm-hmm. and talking with him. And it's just, it it's animated so beautifully and you, you kind of get a little bit of his hu- humanity, but you also just kind of get you feel the weight of him at the very beginning of the movie before mm-hmm. he starts telling his story and he's like getting set up and they're like nailing the composition and whatnot. You can just see in his, uh, in the way his eyes are drawn and the way that his body is animated that like this is going to be, this like this is a heavy story for him to tell. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, this is not a rotoscoped movie. No. So like that's, drawn yeah which is um it's am- yeah it's amazing amazing yeah to yeah. capture all of those like little like uh like all those like just little moments and those little very human movements that we all make like just taking a deep breath it's it's captured so well and so this movie we watched the original audio which we will pretty much always do um but if you were to watch the dubbed version it's riz ahmed who does the voice of Amin. And um, I didn't write down his name, but the guy who plays J- Jamie, Jamie Lannister, Lannister, Jamie Lannister, <laughs> I don't, Nikolai's, Nikolai's something. Yep. Um, he did the voice of uh, Jonas mm. and he did it for no pay. He oh, just yeah. wanted to do it. And they were like, we don't have the budget for a Jamie Lannister. And he was like, that's okay. <laughs> He's like, that's fine. We don't got that HBO <laughs> I mean, Game of Thrones I need to money. move away from Jamie Lannister and, and do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's me saying that. that. He didn't say that. Um, yeah, this was a really beautiful, beautiful film. I think I would have really liked seeing it in the theater. And I'm a little sad we we didn't see it there. But yeah. Um, how did it make you feel? It made me feel connected to Amin, um, even though that, Again, this is a life that feels pretty far away from the life that I'm living and a life I will not experience. I just felt through the way he told his story, I felt a connection with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that through this, you know, this being an animated film and, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things that could potentially take a viewer out of that. This didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Like this just kind of furthered my connection with him and, in a way that, like you said, a reenactment would never do that. But through the art style and the way that this is put together, yeah, I just I felt a felt a really nice connection. What about you? Like you've already said, it really made me reflect on like my own privileges, and I think that's really necessary sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it made me just like tremendously grateful for storytelling in all its different ways the the yeah. you know storytelling and art and how we get to hear different people and different stories and not just an echo chamber all the time because of the ability to create art it's miraculous yeah i mean like art is a miracle and it's so important and so necessary and 
it just made I felt a lot of gratitude for that after you know this string of forget the sadness but like of inside and inside the outtakes and then petite mama which like just was so wonderful I just like kind of ending the week with with flea and with its really unique way of of approaching documentary and telling a real person's story um in a way that's meant to be seen as truth Mm -hmm. i just i just was left kind of because of that film with this gratitude for storytelling yeah i mean something that i think about on like a much smaller scale but a very like resonant scale for me is like the fact that we're doing this podcast is like movie review and just like but like this sort of genre of podcast is very oversaturated yeah like we are not breaking the mold by entering this and it's it's tough to compete with the number of other podcasts and review sites and review uh, youtube reviewers and stuff but i think that the thing that i mean the thing that's unique that we bring to the table is us and our our takes and our point of view and our relationship and how like this whole bad dad rad dad way that we come at things and i'm so happy to be sharing this with you and sharing this with the world and like sharing ourselves out there because i think we we have folks that like to listen to us week to week yeah i mean speaking of we got a couple dms this week from from folks just like like a handful of them actually reaching out and just telling us like what listening means and to keep it up and um that means everything. If oh, you're yeah. somebody who feels like you'd be imposing to like reach out to us on DM or we're really only on Instagram right now, maybe one day we'll be able to afford to have a website and email addresses. But um, please, please do reach out if if you'd like to, because it genuinely means the world to us. And um, it's been nice to be able to have a couple conversations with folks that without us having made this thing, we wouldn't be having conversations with and so huge thank you to to those folks who sent us messages some who are people we know and just haven't chatted with in a while and some are people who we've never met um and are now connecting with through through making this so well it's like you said like i'm so happy to be making this i consider this art and it's so important for you to make your art but it's also really important to share your art with other people it is a really scary, really vulnerable thing. And I, I talk about this with, I teach, predominantly teach high school English, but I also teach creative writing. And um, that's one of the things we talk about on a consistent basis is that it is really scary to share your work and it's a brave and courageous thing to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel that a lot. I've been really scared to share my art for 31 years and still scary sometimes, but we're doing it so mm-hmm. when when i hear that it means something to even one person it like it means more than i can possibly put into words so yeah please do if you feel compelled reach out to us because we love to hear it yeah absolutely so on that mushy note let's talk about some bad dads and rad dads let's talk about dads um you tell me your bad dad first. I had trouble with this this week. I had trouble with all of this this week, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I. It was a weird constellation of films for this. I mean, all, almost always it's not hard. Yeah. And this week it was. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, inside kind of through like it. It's, it's just Bo Burnham <laughs> yeah. being Bo Burnham. Yeah. Um, my bad dad was the character of Jim from The Sadness. Oh, but, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I picked him because he just seems he he just seems like as soon as we're thrown into the chaos of what's going on in the world that he just becomes chaotic mm-hmm. in trying to deal with it. Like it doesn't seem like he kind of has a plan or like thinks about what he wants to do. He doesn't, he, yeah, it's just, if he was looking after me in a sort of, <laughs> in a dad-like relationship, I, I feel like he would like forget me somewhere <laughs> I mean, or like I would kind of be, yeah, I don't, I feel like I'd be left in the dust. You saying this makes me think that there's, and I think I'm reading into this more than perhaps the film is purposefully creating it. But there's a sense with the character of Jim that on a societal level, we can interrogate him and what's being said through his character in a similar way to what's being said in Alex Garland's Men. Yeah. Um, neither of them nail the way they say it yeah. to me. And no. they are fundamentally diametrically opposed films. I prefer Men to Sadness. Um, nonetheless, what they're saying through... Roy Kinnear's characters and through this character of Jim and the Sadness, I actually think is an important thing to be interrogating. And through that, I uh, would agree with you on this bad dad because I'm not, I don't want to give any credence to the person I picked. Yeah, was it the businessman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's definitely, yeah. Um, I don't even want to talk about him. I, I have all the, I have reasons that he could be a bad dad, but it ends with yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah. Um. So I just like, let's just not even talk about him and let's pick Jim as bad dad because businessman is literally one of the most disgusting characters I've ever seen portrayed on film. And I don't want to give him any more airspace or visual space than he needs. Yeah. So Jim, get out of here. Goodbye. Um. Who's your ad dad pick? So I also kind of struggled with this. Mm-hmm. But I um I decided to go pretty literal and I picked the character of La Père in yeah, Petit Mama. Me too. Because I actually think he's a pretty rad dad. Yeah. And um while dad is a an energy, not a gender, sometimes I think giving some space to, to the depiction of, of a more literal dad it is important. And I thought this character has a real quiet profoundness to it and some real rad dad energy. So some of the things I have here for La Père. I just have father. <laughs> father. The character father. Uh, dad? Anyway. Uh, dad? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Coming back to this character, um, he's really gentle with his kid and gives her the space she needs, but is there also, he's present. Yeah. Yes. Like he's just, he seems to be giving her space. And then he's there when she needs it. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, which I thought, is that not what nearly all of us want from a parent? To be given our independence and given our space, but to be confident that when we need that parent there, they will be there. Yes. Um, And then he does recognize when she needs him more. There's this beautiful scene that I won't get into where I think he recognizes that he's maybe failed at something, withheld stuff. And then he does give her what she needs in that moment, tries to correct, you know, these faults that he's maybe had. He seems really in tune to her emotions. There's just a couple scenes with the two of them where I just was like melting with how beautiful 
beautifully he was giving this child who's experiencing some really big stuff what she needs. Yes. Yeah, I echo all of that. I think that just the the patience that he has, not just with his daughter, but also with himself to kind mm. of like, because like he's not, he's not like a, a main character. He mm. he's not in a lot of scenes, but you, he it's played the the actor plays it so well that you can see that introspection happening mm. on screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's it's exactly what you said. It's what you want. So like you want a parent who does what they think is needed of them but sometimes they fail at that and it's just that sort of recognizing that and then finding a way to turn that around or to write that or to clarify that whatever it is with their child and so, yeah seeing that depicted here it was it was awesome i i'd i'd, I'd want father to be my father <laughs> <laughs> all right so la pair or if you're elliot father <laughs> Um, be, be your dad, dad. <laughs> be your father, LaPere. Do you know what I'm going to say next? Um, probably the same thing that I'm going to oh! say. <laughs> so do we have a joint bonus daddy? Oh yeah. <laughs> and it... Let's, let's say. Okay. One, two, two three, three, Bo Burnham. Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. I literally have in my notes because how can you not? Yeah. Um, he made us our favorite. <laughs> he made us some content. <laughs> yes. Uh, I saw a really funny tweet that I've been meaning to show you forever about it was, uh, I don't actually, I probably, it's probably not appropriate to talk about, remind <laughs> me to show you this later about uh, why this is a very appropriate title to give Bo Burnham. Um, oh yeah, Bo Burnham, I have such a crush on you. Yeah. Wow, wow. Wheat woot. Um, Okay. For Rad Wreck this week. We have nothing we're going to say about that? Like Bo Burnham be our daddy? What What else do you want to say? I don't know. We we don't have a line? We don't. People we... listening, what should our line be when we have a bonus daddy? Yeah. I think it's kind of gone between, yeah, like, wheat woot, round round. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bo Burnham, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> Oh, call us. Call us. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted your rad wreck. Uh, for the rad wreck this week, we mentioned off the top that we had watched um, a full first season of a show. And that show was Netflix's Heartstopper. Yeah, Heartstopper. Ooh, it was so nice. It was so yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was so nice. So sweet. Yeah. And yeah, and like super gay non-derogatory which is like (laughs) real nice and it's like pride month which is like really nice it's really nice to watch something that's that's queer and has queer representation in it and it's just it's great how many times can you say the word nice uh that's (laughs) how to make me feel made me feel nice yeah um I've, it's based on a, a series of graphic novels which i've not read you've read the first volume i read the first one yeah a student lent it to me and I read it and I would read the rest of them. I believe that student has the rest of them and probably would lend them to me if I asked. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had I had actually read the first one. I don't even know that when this was lent to me that I was aware it was being made into a show. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't watch it like right when it dropped, but it's been a definitely a topic of conversation like at my school. Yeah. Um, lots of students are watching it, which I think is super important. Like, oh my goodness, I am like... 10 out of 10 so much more supportive of them watching this than euphoria (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 
yeah like there are some good like um oh what is so zendaya and then who's the other main actor in um in euphoria is she so great who plays jules what's her name no man I've like I like have listened to her talking so many interviews. Hunter Schaefer. That's yes, yeah. that's what so it Hunter is. Schaefer and Zendaya are like fantastic, but just like Euphoria is not for me. Um, we've watched the first season and the specials and the first episode of season two, and then I couldn't do it anymore. This show's definitely for me. Yeah, it's so great, and it's greenlit for a second season. The second season yeah. is coming, so uh, get into it now. I just think like it's really wonderful to see queer joy. Like we need this kind of representation. Um. And, like, we haven't talked a lot about Pride on the show because, like, it's just, like, such an integral part of our lives. Yeah. Like, like get, like being gay is awesome every day of the year. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, yes. Yes, happy Pride. Happy Pride. Yes. Happy Pride to all. But, like, also be gay, be awesome, 365. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just, yeah, I was so happy to watch this and uh, my sister my oldest sister has already watched this twice and watched it with uh, her 10 year old daughter once the two of them watched it together and I'm just like so profoundly grateful that like the the little people in our lives are gonna like be able to watch stuff like this like before they're even in high school and like see these kinds of possibilities and but in a way that's like appropriate to them because I think of so much of the like queer television and media that existed like when i was a teen looking for this stuff was like super sexual yes so i think like the l word which i watched (laughs) a lot um when i was in high school like just a that's not what real queer life is like Mm -hmm. and it's just like so overtly sexual or like queer as folk or like we love the show looking yeah love 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 it but like wouldn't necessarily recommend that to like teens yeah um and just to see something that's like actually representative of the high school experience and is so joyful and like also shows friendship in a really beautiful way i think um yeah and has teenagers that look like teenagers teenagers. oh my goodness and it doesn't overly sexualize them like ugh. yeah it's not a riverdale no or a euphoria yeah big thumbs down um, for Euphoria. So big thumbs up for Heartstopper. It's super sweet. It's super lovely. It's super queer and it's super queer joy. And we need this kind of stuff in the world. So yeah, really happy it exists. Really happy to watch it. Probably we'll watch it again sometime soon and we'll definitely be tuning into subsequent seasons. Totally. And the comics are super cute and sweet too. At least the first one that I've read. So like if you're into that, read those too. Yeah. And it's such an easy watch. There's only one season on Netflix and they're like roughly half hour episodes. Oh, we it's... we devoured it. We watched it oh, so yeah. fast. It, it was it was so great. Such a lovely time. So yeah, Heartstopper, Rod Heartstopper. Rock of the Week. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another one of our little stinky episodes here. Um, we're dropping a new one every Thursday. And in the meantime, you can follow us and slide into our DMs over on Instagram at baddad.raddad. Give us a nice little follow, or you can tweet at us at Bad Dad Rad Dad yeah, on our, Twitter. Yeah, our uh, tweet tweet uh, tweet counts or tweet followers, Twitter followers are real low. Well, be, to become a tweet head of Bad Dad <laughs> tweet, Rad Dad. Tweet, tweet at us. <laughs> um, you can also get a sneak peek at what we've been watching over on our individual Letterboxd accounts. Uh, links for those are in the show notes. And we would love you 
forever if you could drop us a rating review or a follow on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you're listening from but uh yeah that's gonna do it for these two stinkies so until next week i'm kylie and my dad's dead i'm elliot and my dad's a deadbeat but remember not all dads have to be bad Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.